Welcome to the Eastview Baptist Church Teaching Podcast. We're a church in Belton, South Carolina, who's committed to love God, love people, and build the kingdom. We're currently in a teaching series through the book of Acts titled To the Ends of the Earth, where we study the early church and principles that we can apply even today to our local churches. We pray that you will enjoy this podcast and that it would be beneficial and just leading uh, to, to new teachings in your heart. If you would, please like, share, and subscribe this teaching to make it more readily available to those that you love. We love you, and God bless. One more time, like we're excited to be here in the house of the Lord. How are we this morning? I'll take that. It was, it was a high note. I will take that. Uh, so if you have your Bible this morning, which I hope you do, right? We're going to be studying again in the book of Acts. But, and I'm not taking you to the Old Testament first, right? Check this out. I want you to meet me really quickly in the book of 2 Corinthians. This is the letter from Paul to Corinth. It's the second Corinthians, more than likely actually the third letter to the Corinthian church. That's a whole other message for a whole other day. But meet me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And if you have 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you will stand with me. Y'all got that quick, man. I like that one. I'm going to take y'all to the New Testament more often. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read starting at verse 16. From now, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is... A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ god making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to god for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we're so thankful this morning to be in your house, God, to just celebrate your word, to be strengthened and lifted and encouraged by your word, God. And I just pray that this morning we would entrust you, God, to come into this place and do a new work and make a new creation within us, God. That the Holy Spirit would come and invade this place, God. That we would be overwhelmed by the joy that is in Christ Jesus. Pray these things in your heavenly glorious name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So now, I want to take us really quickly to the book of Acts. We're going to be, of course, in Acts chapter 9. We pick up uh, in verse 20, but really we pick up in verse 19b. Uh, It just depends on the translation you're using, how it breaks up, verse 19. Uh, I am preaching, of course, from the ESV. So the ESV kind of has a 19a, 19b, even though it's not identified as such. Uh, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. It's 11 verses. I'm going to read it for us really quick. 
So it picked up at verse 19, and it says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose? In other words, has he not come here to do the same thing to us that he went and did in Jerusalem? To bring them bound before the chief priest. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Guys, Jesus was the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is Christus Victor. We find victory in Jesus. Verse 23, And when many days had passed, subtle hint from from Luke, we'll, we'll get into that, the Jews plotted to kill Him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill Him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through a basket, or through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, the same Barnabas we met back in chapter 4, verse 26. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Again, another subtle hint here by Luke. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, this sounds familiar to us because this was back in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. So all the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in fear of the Lord and comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it multiplied. And so we pick up here with the story of Saul the accuser, Saul the persecutor, who is now Saul the follower of the way. And... We, we see such irony as we read and we know of the zealousness of Saul. Saul was a very prideful man. Saul knew he was smart. He knew he was intelligent. He knew he thought he had righteousness. And he wasn't afraid to tell you about it. So much so that he wasn't afraid to kill followers of the way. He wasn't afraid to bound them and pull them across all the land of Jerusalem, bound in chains through a desert. In modern language, we call that lynching. And so he did. 
And here we find this same Saul, we will later identify as Paul, not because of some voice from Jesus, but because Saul goes into Gentile nations, Greek nations, and uses his Gentile name, which is, you guessed it, Paul. But here we find him beginning to preach as we see boldly to the early church. And I'm going to kind of work you through this today. I'm, 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 I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all. Normally I teach you. Today we're going to preach a little bit, okay? I hope that's okay with you guys. I hope you came with your big boy shoes on today because we're going to step on some toes. We're going to challenge our hearts that we would seek the Lord. You see, there's one overwhelming theme that finds us here in this 11 verses. And it's not where we start. It's how we finish. You see, Paul, or Saul, was the accuser-persecutor who killed Christians in the early church. They're not even known as Christians yet. He's killing them when they're followers of the way. I'm not afraid to stand before you and say, I'm a follower of the way. Where do we get this? This came, remember, from John chapter 14, verse 6. That Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He is the one who we are to follow. Saul was chasing them out. Saul, this prideful man, has to accept a place of humility and is lowered through the walls in a basket. This isn't an on-your-high-horse kind of position to be in. This means he was so hated, so persecuted, that he had to seek asylum to go through the temple wall. Not a good place to be in. What this also shows us is that while some are really angry with him, justifiably, that he's made disciples both within the walls and outside of the walls. <laughs> so we see the message that Paul, Saul, is beginning to preach, making it. And we see, identified, he has disciples. In other words, there are now students who are following him. Not that he thinks he's higher. In other words, every teacher, every early teacher is known as a rabbi, and they'll have students. See, the way that the early church works is much like uh, a trade system works today. You'll have an electrician, and an electrician will have electrician's mates. It's a funny... Am I saying that right, Nate? It's close enough, right? A plumber will have a little plumber, Right? <laughs> HVAC guys will have HVAC assistants, and those assistants follow the teacher long enough that they become no longer apprentices, but they become teachers. And here we have Saul, who used to hate and persecute the church, beginning to make disciples. What I need you to understand by Paul being in such high authority, the people in the beginning who would have been around him are people who were also in the same high authority and high regard as himself. Here we find Saul. And Saul is someone who's having to accept... Uh, my, my grandpa used to say, he used to, you have to accept some humble pie. Anybody ever had to eat some humble pie? Oh, man. That's the most active I've ever heard you guys be. That's not good, y'all. That's not good. I myself, I know this may come as a shock, but I've had to eat some humble pie. 
I made a lot of humble pie, just so you so all know. And here we see Saul having to accept a place of humility. We see for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. When we see some days, this is a little bit of time he spent here, guys. This isn't like a overnight, right? For some days, he's with the disciples at Damascus. This is verse 19b. The same people whom he had gone to persecute are now those who are persevering him. In other words, the same people that he went to kill are now the ones helping to sustain him. Remember the guy was blind for three days, didn't eat. Part of that, you could venture to say, is probably a bit of pride. Right? Saul was so righteous. He knew right from wrong. And here on the way to kill followers of the way, he meets the way, the truth, the life, on that road to Damascus. <clears throat> and immediately, we see he spends time with them. They train him up. I got maps for y'all again. Y'all have told me you like the maps. Alright? So I got maps for you again. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God, Emmanuel, Lord with us. He is the Son of God. Notice the first place that he goes upon some training. Where does, where does Saul go first? Right? To the people on the outskirts of town who don't know any better, right? No. The first place that Saul goes, and we'll see this re repetitively throughout his his ministry, the first place that he goes when he gets into town is the synagogue, the temple. He goes to the holiest of holies. He goes to the holy rollers. He goes to the guys who know better. And he goes, and what does he immediately go and do? Challenge their way of thinking. I think it's safe to say in the early part, Saul may have had a change of heart, but he doesn't have a change of lifestyle yet. You see that? And the same is true for, for people who become believers. See, we may have an instantaneous change of heart. We're justified immediately. When we call on the name of Jesus, invite Him into our hearts, immediately we're justified. But we go through this lifelong process, and it's hard, y'all. It's called sanctification. Being made a saint, right? And so we see immediately He goes and proclaims Jesus in the name of Jesus in the synagogues because He is the Son of God. And all who heard Him were amazed, saying, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? They can't just accept this, y'all. He has a change of heart, but they can't accept it. And we still do the same thing today. People have a change of heart. People come to Christ, and we want to judge them on who they used to be. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not our job. That is not our responsibility. That is not our right. God and God alone has that responsibility. We see that. There's a reason why I took you to this letter in 2 Corinthians before we came here. To see that that act of reconciliation falls on God. And the ministry was given to us. Not that we judge people. That we would help them seek reconciliation. To be made right. Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? And who called upon this name? Has he not come here for this purpose? They said, I, I see what you're saying. I see the lip service. I see that he appears to be doing the things. But he came here to kill us. 
They couldn't get over who He used to be. This is a theme that follows Saul, Paul for a long time, y'all. And if he can't get past that rap, means he was probably pretty good at it. Right? You don't get a reputation for something and being kind of mediocre at it. You get that rap when you're good at it. And they're judging Saul, Paul, on being a killer of Christians. Being an accuser of Christians. And if the reputation follows him for quite some time, we know that he must have been good at it. And maybe people in your life are still holding you to a reputation of what you used to be. Thank God for the the life of Jesus. Thank God for the sacrifice of Jesus on a cross that I'm not who I used to be. I'm made new in Christ Jesus. When I got into ministry, y'all, for a long time, it's still to this day I hear some people that judge me on who I was when I was a kid. They don't take the time to see you for who you have been made in Christ Jesus. And so I have a special place in my heart for people who have been in dire situations, who have been in the bottom, who have been in the pits, that when Christ Jesus comes into them, they're made new and they're lifted high for His sake, for His glory. It's not for self. It's so that He can be magnified among all nations. And we're so quick, y'all. We're so quick to hold people down for who they used to be. And Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews. They don't know what to think, y'all. See, a lot of them had never met him. A lot of them have never met Saul. Why do we know that they've never met Saul? Because they're still alive. Right? So they're confounded. In other words, they are just confused. They are twisted. They are conflicted within their hearts. I know and I see that he is new, but I've heard so many things. They're not judging him even for what he's done to them, guys. They're judging him for what they've heard about him. Thank God that we're made new in Christ Jesus. And Saul increased all the more in strength, confused the Jews who lived in Damascus. Why does he confuse them? Why does he twist them, guys? Because he knows the Jewish laws. He knows the Jewish customs. He knows the Jewish traditions. And even despite this, in spite of this, look at verse 22, the second half of it. He is in Damascus proving that Jesus was the Christ. See, he used to stand up for the Jewish traditions and say, and this shows how Jesus can't be the Christ. And if y'all remember back when they had the conflict with Stephen, how did they defend him? How did they rebuke Stephen? Y'all are going to love this. They put their fingers in their ears and they yelled, no, 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 no. Why? Because they had no way to stand against the word of God. And now we're, we got, a, we got a, a dangerous situation here. The guy who knows the law the best, the guy that knows the law the most, now believes that it all points to Jesus. 
You see, this word Christ we see here, it has its own maturation process through Scripture. See, it begins as this word Mashiach in the, the, in the, the Hebrew, which meant you know it as Messiah. Right? He is Mashiach. He's HaMashiach. And so it makes its way, Messiah, to Christos in the Greek. And you say, well, what, what does... Anybody ever actually wonder, what does Christ mean? Nobody. You guys all know. So we won't... Okay, we got some people that are honest here. So Christ, the Christ, it's a title, not his last name. Just hold on to that. And it actually means, you ready for this? The anointed one. This word Mashiach, Messiah, can you guess what it also means? The Hebrew word, it means the anointed one. See, King David, if you follow his legacy, you follow his storyline, you see there was an anointing process where often he was anointed. He was anointed before he was appointed. And this all follows the tradition of a shepherd and how they would anoint their sheep. Anybody ever been around some sheep? Nobody? I have. They're not smart <laughs> at all. They're pretty dumb, but they're good at following the leader. Right? And so a sheep will actually bash his head into a tree, bash his head into a fence post. Anybody ever seen a wound that's not properly treated? What begins to happen? Not good things. So these sheep would do this, they'd get themselves in bad situations. The shepherd would have to anoint them, have to put the salve or the oil on the sheep's head to keep from further. Injury, and to begin a healing process. So here we see Christ Jesus, the Messiah, as the anointed one. The one who has the power, the authority, the ability to make us healed, to make us whole in Him. So now you have a little history behind what this word Christ means. He is the one who heals. He is the one who would bridge the gap. He's the one that stood in between our sin and God and made a bridge that we could be made whole. This is, as you know, the ministry of reconciliation. You see, Saul, here in the early part, is really good at being zealous. Right? I know a lot of things and I'm not afraid to tell you I know a lot of things. And so Saul will suffer from this thing called, I know nobody here has it, but it's this thing called pride. You want to fall quick? Have a little encounter with some pride. Ain't no quicker way to eat humble pie than to be prideful. And so Paul will begin to become humbled in the Lord. We see him lowered through a basket, not coming through the, the gates with Pomp and circumstance. Do, 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 do. Look at here comes Saul, this great teacher of the Lord. No, he's lowered through the temple, a hole in the wall. Humble pies met Saul as he comes down the wall. That rhymed. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. And when many days had passed, all right, I told y'all, verse 23. When many days had passed, all right. 
What do y'all think of when you think of many days have passed? A couple weeks, right? You know, many days? No, three years. Way to nail that one down for us, Luke. Right? But he, he, he gives us this hint that time passes so that he can point us to a period of maturation with Paul, with Saul. Right? He, he doesn't just... He goes and preaches the Word because he knows the Jewish laws, he knows the Jewish traditions, but it takes a maturation process before he can become an authorized teacher. In other words, someone who can can have an anointing to stand before others and boldly proclaim it, right? And so Saul begins to go through his maturation process, and it takes about three years for probably the third wisest rabbi to ever live. It takes about three years for him to mature. What does that mean? It means there's hope for you yet, guys. You don't just profess the name of Jesus, invite Him into your heart, and the next thing you know, man, you're running the pews, you're serving in every capacity, you're the dude or the chick, right? No, it takes a maturation process. You have to mature in Christ. And so when many days had passed, inevitably, what did the Jews do? The same strategy that that Saul used to have. If you don't like the teacher, what do you do? You kill him. Yeah, yeah, we got that, man. Worried about whoever that was. (laughs) Right? So if you don't like the teacher, you kill him. That's Jewish tradition. Well, we don't have any way to refute this guy, so what do we do? We remove him from the situation. Remove him from the equation. You see, that still happens today. I was talking with somebody this morning about, anybody ever familiar with the term assassination? That's the modern term, right? Did you know that these assassinations have been happening for a long time? Would you know it? Into biblical times. Stephen the martyr was assassinated. Why? Because they heard the bold testimony of Stephen and said, we we don't have a defense for this. If this catches on, if he's able to go and take this to other people, we got a real problem on our hands. And it goes beyond Stephen. See, it goes back to Jesus. Jesus was not just a wise teacher. We now know he was Messiah. He was Christ. But when his teaching was so strong, so encouraging, so correcting, what did the Jews do? That was was like my hand signal for they killed him. I was waiting on my my bold person to yell, kill him again. But their plot became known to Saul. Y'all understand what this means? Let Let me, just in case you don't. While there are wise Jews who make an assassination attempt against him, what does this mean? It means there is, there's, there's mutiny within the ranks of the Jews. Right? Their plot became known to Saul. In other words, somebody within the ranks of those high-ranking Jews who says, let's kill the guy, comes to Saul and says, hey man, guys, to go, they're going to kill you. Y'all notice a trend here. A bit of conflict seems to follow Saul. He would be, in what we call today's terms, a troublemaker of sorts. And they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. Alright, this speaks to the control of those Jews, guys. 
the temple guards, which were likely Romans, are, are, are in the back pocket of the Jews. Hey, when that, when that Saul guy goes to go through, got to let us know. We're, we're going to do this number. That was, again, that was the, the kill him signal. And they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night. Anybody ever have a grandparent tell them, don't nothing good happen after night, right? At nighttime. Y'all probably had a different time than I did. See, I was kind of bad, so like, mine was like 7 o'clock. Don't nothing good happen after 7. Y'all might have had a little, a, little, a little more leeway. Y'all might have been like 10, 11, 12. But don't nothing good happen after dark. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Again, it's not about where you start. It's how you finish. Run the race. Y'all familiar with that term? That's Paul. Got to run the race. See, when Paul was saying that, he was saying that from experience. You got to run the race. Who knows? Anybody ever watched a race? Any kind of race. So there's like a gun that says, go, right? They don't say who wins before the, right? They don't even say who wins immediately after the, you have to run the race before the victor is declared. In other words, in a race, it's not about where you start. It's about how you finish. And when he had come to Jerusalem, really cool uh, little, little tidbit of information here. Saul goes and meets a guy. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of him. His name's Peter. Y'all know Peter? Oh man, I got some hands right there. We know Peter. Peter's a good guy, right? Peter also had a little struggle with a thing. Big P word known as, man, one person knew that was pride. So if ever there was a good mentor for him to meet in Jerusalem and eat some humble pie with, it's probably Peter. It's almost like God puts us in one another's lives for a reason. Anybody ever felt that way about somebody? You meet them, you're like, man, God linked us up for a reason. He put us together for a reason. I hope that reason is good. I heard the way y'all giggled right there. And when he attempted, when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. In steps a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas, uh, through history, you'll find, uh, will later serve with Paul. Right? But he's also an assistant to a guy named... Come on, y'all. Get off your hands. Peter. So when we see Barnabas stepping in defense of Saul, this is likely at the push of Peter. See, Barnabas' name literally means son of encouragement. So the guy who's known for his encouragement steps under the authority of the guy who's in charge, Peter, and says, hey, no, 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 we vouch for this guy. We spent 15 days with him. We find him, we find him credible. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared them so... Now he's before all the apostles, all the guys who are in charge, the the deacons in today's church, right? He brings them before all of them and declares how on the road he had seen the Lord, Saul, not Barnabas, who spoke to him, 
And how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Hey man, this guy was up in Damascus. He was going on and on about how Jesus is the Messiah. How Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem. Alright, he got a little bit of power. And remember, he's a zealous guy. Anybody here ever got a little bit of zeal to him? Don't raise your hand. Like, I know who you are, okay? So he gets a little bit of zeal to him. And he begins to go all about in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He got a little bit of authority and he might have got power. A little power hungry. Have ever seen that happen to anybody? They get, a, they get a little bit of authority and they go a little crazy. They get, they get a little bit of street cred. They get a little bit of, of reputation amongst themselves. <laughs> and they begin to, to get a little power. right? And so he goes and begins to preach boldly. And look, look what he does. He has peace amongst all the people. right? And he's just a tranquil, great, humble leader. No. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenist. Alright, stop for a second. You remember who killed Stephen? The Hellenist? Alright? That's, that's who ultimately led to that chain of events, the Hellenist. Who was in charge of the killing of Stephen? The young man named Saul, who everybody laid their, their coats at his feet. So, here in Jerusalem was Saul's first order of business. Go to the guys he used to be in charge of and have a squabble with them. Because that's, that's how you peaceably uh, form bonds, right? No. No. See, Saul still needs a little bit of Jesus in his life. He's got the change of heart, but he's going through the process known as sanctification. Alright, we're at least three years and some months off of his conversion. And notice how his heart is still prone to dispute. Some of us take a little more time in the oven than others. But they were seeking to kill him. Man, it's almost like they had a trend, right? They don't like your teaching, what do they do? Yeah, I got more people happy to yell, kill them now. Alright? And when the brothers learned this, or the apostles learned this, they brought him to Caesarea. Y'all remember that town? Remember we saw the map? Well, now there's a map that shows you... Give me the one that goes a little further up into that cove. I think it's the next one. Oh, see that little cove on the right right there? And the one on the left? You see how there's like that circle way up top? So he's going to go from Caesarea, not Philippi, Caesarea on the coast. And he's going to go way up there to a place called Tarsus. Y'all remember what his name is? Saul of what? Tarsus. So they're like, man, he's causing a lot of problems here in Jerusalem. It was, <laughs> Let's send him back where he came from and see what he can do up there. Who's going to venture to say he probably has some squabbles with the people where he came from? It's almost like it's not about where you start. It's how you finish. 
So when the brothers had learned of his impending problems with pretty much everybody in Jerusalem, they're like, man, we're going to have another Stephen incident on our hands. We've got we to send this guy away. So they send him to Caesarea. And it, does he just land in Caesarea? Y'all got your Bible in front of you. They brought him down to Caesarea. And what happens from there? They have to send him somewhere else. Anybody see a trend with Saul? But I'm not trying to like break your preconceived notions, or maybe I am. You think Paul and you think of this holy, righteous man. But he had to get there. Family, we have time. We have to get there. As long as there's still breath in our lungs, we have time to get there. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I have the great, I have the great privilege of knowing like... Sorry here if you're like in EMT and whatnot. But I probably know the best one. His name's David Parker. He saved a lot of lives. His sister is my... Don't make face that. His sister is my uh, my aunt in law, I guess you'd say. She's my aunt. Okay. And so David Parker, I've heard him use this expression more times than I can count. If there's a pulse, there's a hope. If you're sitting here with us right now in this moment, there's one thing. I can say for certain about you. You have a pulse. And if there's a pulse, there's a hope. I've been asked, what what led you to Eastview? The ultimate answer is the Lord. But when I got here, when I was meeting with our search committee, and I got to walk the building with the chair of the deacons, I could sense something in this place and it was a pulse. There was a hope in this place. And the more I talked to older people in our community, I heard about what this place used to be and it one day was. The more I prayed, the more I could sense a peace with God saying... It could happen again. If there's a pulse, there's a hope. And here we are, church family. We're here together in this moment of unity. And if there's a pulse, there's a pulse, there's a hope. Look how Luke sums all of what you've just read. Everything from Acts 1 1. To this moment. Look at verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. In other words, it's growing. The pulse is growing stronger. In this place, family. The pulse is growing stronger. If you don't believe that, it's because you missed yesterday. You've missed the events that led up to this. 
This place, last week, coming together as a family and taking care of one of our own, there's a pulse. There is something here that is contagious. And I promise, if you just bring your friends, you'll bring your family in, they will feel it too. And they have peace or being built up, walking in fear of the Lord. Write this down if you've if you got a, a pen beside you. Proverbs 1.7 Proverbs 9.10 Job 28.28 28, Psalm 111.10 So that's Proverbs 1.7 Proverbs 9.10, Job 28.28, Psalm 111.10. Go and visit those and see where our, our wisdom, see where our strength comes from. Spoiler alert, it's fear of the Lord. Not that He's some imposing force, but that He is a loving God so powerful that we must bow humbly in submission to Him. And they had comfort in the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus tells the apostles that the great Comforter, the great Counselor is coming to them. The Holy Spirit. And what happens when you have fear of the Lord and a comfort in the Holy Spirit? It multiplies. It becomes contagious. Y'all can come on up. Let me end you with this today. Just like Saul, it's not about where we start, it's how we finish. We are in a constant state of sanctification. We're freely justified by Christ Jesus when we declare Him with our mouth and accept Him into our hearts as the Lord and Savior. Our story truly is in the details. Jesus can and does progressively change intentions and motives. See, Saul didn't start with how we notice him and recognize him as Paul. It was a maturation process. And our hearts and our minds become more thoroughly pursuing of him. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful in this place, God, to name You as our Lord and Savior, to declare You among the nations as our Lord and Savior. I just pray that today, God, that we would truly seek Him, that we would truly pursue Him, and that we would make Him Lord of all. Father God, I pray in this place, in this moment, that the Holy Spirit would come and wreck hearts, that the altars would be open, God, that we would come and call upon Your name, we seek You for reconciliation. We seek You for forgiveness. We seek You for love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.